you for joining us for another informative, educational, and entertaining edition of Music and Medicine with Dr. Charles Modlin, kidney transplant surgeon, board-certified urologist, public speaker, and well-known community national leader for the elimination of health disparities, dedicated to informing you, the listening audience, about important health topics and health information that you, your family, and your community need to know while at the same time providing you with quality entertainment because music and entertainment is medicine. Dr. Marlin's co-hosts are Jerome Brown and registered nurse Jonathan Branch. And the program often includes special content expert guests. So, without further ado, here is the host of the show, Dr. Charles Marlin. Hey, everybody. Uh, thanks for that uh, wonderful introduction. Um, we're happy to be back with another wonderful and exciting and very informative rendition of our music and medicine podcast. Uh, this is an opportunity for us to um, speak with some very important thought leaders in the city of Cleveland and, and, and nationally, um, where we discuss a variety of important health topics that are very much germane um, and relevant to, in particular, the Black community. Um, a lot of the topics that we discuss deal with uh, healthcare disparities, healthcare inequities that disproportionately afflict people of color. Um, but at the same time, we try to sprinkle in some entertainment to make uh, the show, the podcast, a little bit more interesting. I, I always uh, reference the fact that I, at heart, am a musician also. Um, back in the day, I, I uh, was a very talented trumpet player. And uh, I know back in high school, I had to make a decision whether or not to become a professional musician uh, versus uh, uh, going into the profession of medicine. And obviously, um, I think I made the right decision by going into medicine. I, most of my career, I, I uh, performed kidney transplant surgery. I'm also a board certified urologist. I spent about 27, 28 years at Cleveland Clinic. And now I am. Um, a urologist at the Metro Health uh, Medical Center here in Cleveland, but I'm also um, vice president and chief health equity officer at Metro Health. Um, the one of the major topics that we wanted to talk about um, on this show this evening is the topic uh, about um, women's health disparities, disparities with respect to women's health. And many of you know that I've dedicated my career to uh, not only kidney transplantation, urology, but also to minority health and addressing a lot of the health inequities that disproportionately afflict um, people in communities of color. And I've innovated a number of programs to address disparities in black men's health, uh, minority men's health, uh, namely uh, the minority men's health fair that I founded and, and directed at Cleveland Clinic uh, from 2003 until 2019, we had to take a couple years off because of COVID. And then we uh, resurrected the health fair the past two years at, at Metro Health, and it's been going strong. But, but we also recognize that women of color also suffer disproportionately from a, num a number of health inequities. Um, and I just wanted to highlight some of those inequities because on September the 30th, that's a Saturday, uh, Metro Health is holding its first multicultural 
Women's Health Fair and Expo, an empowerment expo. And for this particular event this first year, we're partnering with the Vernon Foundation to um, conduct this health fair. It's going to be held at the Cleveland Convention Center. Uh, there might be a graphic, I think. Um, um, Russell, I'm not sure if you, yeah, okay, there, there's the graphic, uh, the flyer, uh, the 2023 Multicultural Women's Health Fair and Empowerment Expo. Again, this is a free event, Saturday, September the 30th from noon until 4.30. We actually open the doors of, at, at 11 o'clock. Uh, free health screenings are going to be taking place during this whole period of time. We're doing screenings from head to toe, much like we do for the Minority Men's Health Fair. Um, what is ad additional for this event, we're holding um, a number of breakout um, health talks and uh, lectures um, that are going to be very uh, um, important in terms of educating the attendees about these important women's health fair issues, uh, women's health issues. Just like at the Minority Men's Health Fair, where women are also welcome to attend, men can actually attend this event also. But again, we're, we're predominantly trying to reach women. Again, it's multicultural. Everyone is welcome. Anything that we do at Metro Health is it, it's open to everybody. It, it, it's inclusive. Um, you know, whatever your gender is, whatever your pronouns are, we welcome you. So we're going to have a number of exhibitors also. We're going to partner with a number of uh, uh, community health organizations that will provide information about the, the health and social services that they, they provide. Uh, but I wanted to um, let you know, so you can actually it said there's a, a phone number on that graphic that you can call and register. Uh, you can uh, register online, but you can also just walk in on the day of the event and register on location, just like we do for the men's event. So I wanted to, uh, I have a very special uh, co-host this evening. Uh, Jerome Brown was not able to join us, um, but he obviously will be back for, for future uh, programs. Um, my co-host um, this evening is um, a wonderful individual um, who we actually are going to feature on an upcoming program. Um, and I, I told her that I'm going to pretty much allow her to introduce herself because it would actually take me an entire hour uh, to introduce her. And I, I learn more about her every time I speak with her. And, and she's behind the scenes. She's doing so much for the community behind the scenes that nobody would even know. So we're going to actually dedicate an entire hour uh, just for her um, uh, on, a, on an upcoming program. But this wonderful individual um, power mover is none other than Dr. Gwendolyn Jarvis. So we'd like to, to welcome Dr. Gwen Jarvis. Uh, Hello, can you hear me? Oh yeah, we can hear you. There's a little okay. um, there's a little background noise. I'm not sure what that is. I wonder if I can take a minute to get rid of that background noise. Okay. Yeah, can please. I take a minute? Please. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So you know, I'm, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and I want to I want to highlight um, some of the reasons why we're conducting this women's event. 
uh, again, Saturday, September the 30th. Um, and, you know, as, as I indicated, black men suffer from a number of health conditions, higher rates of high blood pressure, diabetes, heart disease, cancer, stroke, um, you know, the list goes on and on. But let me give you some examples of some of the disparities that we see in, in, in our women of color. Uh, maternal health, black women, and and let me know what your thoughts are. When, you know, uh, when I when I highlight some of these, Dr. Jarvis. Uh, okay. And, and by the way, Dr. Jarvis um, holds a weekly radio show where she actually has uh, allowed me the honor to co-host her show on several occasions. It's called Tea and Honey with Dr. Gwen every Thursday um, from five to six o'clock. Um, and on it's 1490 AM radio. What, what are the call letters of that? It's W-E-R-E, Radio 1, W-E-R-E, 1490. W-E-R-E, I, I, yes. I, should, I should have that by memory because <laughs> I, I, but I'm, I'm getting older in my old age. Um, so maternal health, black women are three to four times more likely to die from pregnancy related causes compared to white women. You, you in, in medicine, we talk about mortality rates uh, and we compare it to a population of 100,000. So that's how, it, you know, mortality rates are defined in the field of medicine. So with that in mind, black women have a maternal mortality rate of 37.1 deaths per 100,000 live births. And you compare that to a maternity, maternal mortality rates in white women of 14.7, 37.1 in black women, only 14.7. I shouldn't say only, but you know, any is too much, but 14.7 for white women. And there are a number of reasons for that. I mean, maternal mortality rates of women in Cleveland are recognized as some of the highest in the nation. A lot of that has to do with the fact that many women of color don't have access to quality or any um, uh, care during their pregnancy. Um, they have uh, higher rates of hypertension and diabetes um, and, and other comorbidities before they become pregnant. And these conditions are exacerbated a lot of times during their, their pregnancy. And that relates to higher rates of not only women, you know, dying during their pregnancy or after their pregnancy, you know, right after their pregnancy, but also relates to higher rates of, of the infant mortality. Um, infant mortality is defined as um, survi survival of the child during that first year of life. So um, higher rates of breast cancer in black women. Black women have a higher breast cancer mortality rate compared to white women. And again, the mortality rate is 39.7 deaths per 100,000 black women compared to 29.7 for white women. And again, this data comes from the CDC, Centers for Disease Control and the American Cancer Society. Let me go on, uh, cervical cancer. Black women have higher rates of cervical cancer compared to white women. 9.2 per 100,000 black women, 7.2 for white women. And again, not only do black women have higher rates of cervical cancer, they're more likely to be diagnosed at advanced stages of the disease, which leads to poor outcome 
including higher mortality rates. And again, a lot of the times it, it, there's a later diagnosis due to lack of, lack of access to care. A lot of women don't know that they need to go to the you know, OBGYN, their primary care doctor to get screened for cervical cancer. Again, higher rates of heart disease. Um, a lot of heart disease are, is related to higher rates of hypertension. Um, higher rates of hypertension uncontrolled, undiagnosed leads to twice the incidence of, of strokes, twice the incidence of death from strokes. HIV AIDS, black women account for the majority of new HIV diagnoses among women in the United States. CDC data, black women have an HIV diagnosis rate of 20.5 per 100,000 compared to 1.8 for white women. Again, 20.5 black women out of, out of every 100,000 compared to 1.8 only for white women. So Uterine cancer, again, higher rates, ovarian cancer, higher rates. Um, but there, and there's something that we can do about it. You know, the first, first of all, Dr. Jarvis, and we've talked about this on your show, um, we have to inform the community about these healthcare disparities. You know, we, we need to make them aware. And your show is, is such a valuable resources, resource. Um, you're educating the community about a number of important issues, including health issues. And again, I want to thank you for, for allowing me to, to be on your show, um, you know, numerous times to talk about the health disparities, to educate the community. But education of the community is only part of, we actually have to educate other healthcare providers. It, it, it would seem almost intuitive, um, that every healthcare provider, every physician, advanced practice provider, nurse, and other ancillary care providers, that, that we would all know about these health disparities and recognize that these disparities exist and why they exist, but that's not the case. So the onus is on us um, as, as healthcare providers to educate other healthcare providers, but the only way that we can educate the community, you know, we can see patients one-on-one, -on -one, but but by working with the media, uh, you know, your, your show and others, Dr. Jarvis, you're, you're allowing us to reach the masses, many more individuals that we could possibly reach, you know, individually as individual physicians and, and caregivers. Um, it's important not only to educate other healthcare providers in the community, but we need to educate other stakeholders um, to help facilitate and help sponsor these health fairs. So one reason, and, you know, again, late, later stage presentation, lack of access to quality care. There are a number of other social determinants of health, lack of education, transportation, living in food deserts, living in unsafe environments where you can't go out and exercise, um, you know, poverty. Uh, all, these all contribute to the healthcare disparities we see in men and women and children also. But lack of trust in the healthcare system and, and healthcare providers uh, because of the Tuskegee syphilis experiment and other, um, mm -hmm. you know, things that have actually transpired between hospitals and, and, and black and brown communities still actually affects um, many individual people of color's willingness to go to the doctor to get a routine health check and get screened. 
so there's a lot of work that we need to do, and it, it's incumbent upon not only Metro Health, but all healthcare centers to offer opportunities to promote access. And, and this Women's Health Fair and Expo, September the 30th at the Huntington Cleveland Convention Center, is just one example of things that we're doing at Metro Health. And again, I'm proud of the work that I did at Cleveland Clinic for nearly 30 years. Um, but we need to expand upon this. And, you know, that's one reason why we wanted to dedicate this show to women's health. Um, and again, I just wanted to kind of start the show off by highlighting some of these disparities. So we're going to have, you know, Dr. Jarvis at, at the um, Women's Expo, September the 30th, we're going to have, as I said, we're going to be doing screenings from head to toe. We're going to have eye doctors doing vision screenings. We're going to have dentists and, and head and neck doctors doing oral health screenings, checking your neck. We're going to have women's health specialists doing breast exams, um, pulmonologists checking your lungs. Um, we're going to have cardiologists, um, neurologists. You know, there, there are certain risk factors that can predispose individuals to stroke. We're going to be checking your vital signs, your blood pressure, your pulse, your, your BMI. Uh, we're going to have mental health specialists. That, that's something I, you know, I didn't mention. Mental health um, disproportionately afflicts women of color also. And there are many reasons for that. Um, black women are, are, are in a, um, a certain situation where many are discriminated against. Uh, black women have been taught to be stoic and, and to provide care to their families and communities before even thinking about uh, their own health care. And, and that causes later stage presentation of disease. So um, it, it took me a while to learn this, Dr. Jarvis, and, and you and I have talked about it before. The success of the minority men's health fair over the years, in large part, uh, in majority part, is not because of me, it's because of the women out there, the black women out there who are taking care of their black men and are encouraging, strongly encouraging, if not forcing, you know, I laugh when I say that, but. But that's true. To, it's true. <laughs> the, to go, the men to go to the health fair and get checked out. I've always told the women out there, just put your man in the car and start driving to the health fair. You don't even have to tell them where you're going. Just you drop them off. You say, I'll be back to pick you up in three and a four, three and a half, four hours. Go in there and get your screenings. Um, it's time now that we do this for the women. Um, and again, it's, it's, it's long, a long time in coming. So when, when I first went to Metro health, this was on, this was on the docket, this was on the drawing board, but I can tell you there, there's a very powerful inspirational woman whom you are personal friends with, uh, Dr. Jarvis. Um, her name is Dr. Erica Steed. She's our new CEO at Metro health. Um, and before she even hit Cleveland, after she was selected, she goes, you know, I had a, an opportunity to speak with her and, and talk about the men's event. She goes, why aren't we doing this for, for women? So this is going to happen. She sped up the timeline. So um, it takes several months to plan these health fairs, you know, for example. Uh, the men's event takes about eight to 10 months to plan. And, and we're, we're expediting, again, all hands on deck at Metro Health. I, I can't thank uh, everybody enough uh, from our clinicians to our marketing department, our, you know, philanthropy department, 
uh, our nurses, our volunteers, our administrators, non, non-clinicians as well. Everybody is coming together uh, to plan this event. It, it's going to be a remarkable event. Again, we thank the word, um, the, the Vernon, the Vernon uh, Foundation. Um, uh, many people um, know uh, Reverend R.A. Vernon from the Word Church mm-hmm. and uh, Lady Vernon, uh, Victoria Vernon. Um, you know, so Lady Vernon annually would conduct a women's expo at the Word Church. And we learned that these two events were planned on the same day. So we decided to partner and, and, and combine our resources. And, and um, so we're, we're, we're very proud that they're, they're going to partner with us. Uh, and we will actually have them on a, a, one of our um, music and medicine uh, podcasts before the, the Women's Health Fair and Expo um, also to, to hear from them. But Dr. Jarvis, um, what, what are your thoughts about, you know, these disparities? And, and again, um, I'd like you to say a few words about your background. I, I have all of these pages are your bio. <laughs> I mean, th- th- this uh, is your bio. Uh, it's a lot. Uh, it's you a know, lot. So, um, <laughs> and every day something is adding to it. Um, actually... <laughs> it's, 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 it's just, I, I have to sum it up, it's me. Ever since I was a little girl, I'm doing the same things I did as a child. As a child, when I was in elementary school in the central neighborhood, I would go, when I find out the students were having some challenges in their grades with their lessons, I asked my parents to let me have, let them come to our house. And I had rock school. So I've been doing this since I was a little girl. <laughs> Behind the scene is helping people because I know, I seriously feel that it is my purpose and my mission from God. You don't always have to tell people what you do, but they can see. But then it gets to a point now people are saying, oh, well, she has something to do with this. And it's not about me. It's about my purpose and helping people of the community. Now, you asked me about, uh, so it's Tea and Honey with Dr. Gwen Jarvis, and that's the best way I can solve myself up. It's just... It's me. It's just who I am. Uh, I'm thankful that I can have the opportunity because if you know, less than two years ago, I went through a medical challenge with I had that had been in remission for several years. And because of zip codes and because of me taking care of my body, I am here today as a witness and not on any medication. And I had what, what is called the Floyd lesion. And they say it's only four people in the country have what I had. I had it the longest. It's painless. All my fluids turn black and run out. Uh, overnight, I went from 169 to 82 pounds. And I was able to do my chemo at home. I'm not on no medicine. And the reason why my show is Tea and Honey with Dr. Gwen Jarvis, because as a child, at 11 years old, when I, when I was diagnosed with this, they didn't have a name for it at the time. They just called it a silent bleeding ulcer. Is they told me to drink tea and honey, goat's milk, eat cabbage, and two glasses of wine. And the doctors tell me now to continue to do that. And that's what I do. And I just be me. And I just enjoy life. So, so actually... However, all these years, I never knew why you called it tea and honey. Maybe you explained it before, but I had I'd forgotten. You, but you don't call it tea and honey and wine, though. I, I can't tell all my okay, secrets. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when I tell people that my regimen has been wine and inclusive of wine, and they say, and you're not an alcoholic? I says, no, because I treated this medicine. 
And not only that, I own the very first sobriety house for men here in the state of Ohio, which we will be 30 years old next year. My cousin left it to me and they understand that I drink wine. I'm not a sobriety, but I drink wine and treated this medicine. And it's a difference. It's a difference. So what's, the, so what's the name of what's the name of your sobriety house? The name of it is Sobriety in Motion. And it was started by my late cousin, uh, John Ivy and his wife. Well, he, she's my cousin and he died be 15 years ago pretty soon uh soon so name of a sobriety emotion and we've been in the slavic village for 21 years so and i am how, how, how would somebody access those services how, how would somebody that needs your services access that sobriety house okay we are with the um they can go through the adams board they can go through uh ohio ohio housing recovery we have referrals my executive director, who we're going to honor next week at his AA meeting, uh, he makes several visits and he has given graduation speeches and we have and recruits people from um, from the community, from the uh, municipal drug, drug court. Can you think what it's called? The drug court. So he goes to the drug court monthly and we get residents from there. Hmm. And also from the Keaton Center, from Stella Mars. And as I said, referrals to so like I said, never you're, had you're, doing, you're doing so much. Um, so tell us, <laughs> tell us, so go back, tell us, because I know you've had a, a longstanding broadcasting career as well. Yeah. In and out so, for 30 years. Yeah. You've been doing that for, where, where did that start, the broadcasting career? Well, it started years ago, 93, when Zappos owned it. And on, I had an employment service on 9th Street. I'm the only minority that ever had an, any type of self-owned business on 9th Street. And the building right across from the stadium is the first hotel in the city of Cleveland. It's called, the, it was named the Dallas Building. The stadium wasn't there then. The old West Side Market was there. And how I acquired that that uh, opportunity to be there is because I'm the, I was a... Um, Vice President of First Bank National. Hmm. And then when the bank closed, John Bustamani gave us a severance and he asked me, what, and I was the youngest one on his board. He says, what are you gonna do with the money? I says, I, I, I hate to tell people this because they question me. I have never had a job interview, never had one. And so I said, I wanna help people get jobs. So however, I started off banking in Alabama because when I got married, my my, my in-laws says, well, this Northern girl can't come down here, don't have a degree. So my first degree is in banking and law. And from that, I worked at Bank of Huntsville where I did marketing for the bank and also the proof department. The proof department is, I don't care if the bank is off one penny in money or in documents, my task with one other person who she's on General Hospital my task, our task was to make sure the bank balance. And from that, when I come home, um, or did we lose? My distant family member is Don King. So I took my funds that he gave us. Huh? Oh, no. What'd you we, say? You, you froze this for a second, but yeah, you're back. Oh, did it? Okay. All right. So I took my funds and opened up an employment service. So, and ended up being down on 9th Street. I did the hire for RTA, for the stadium. But I have to share this one funny story. I come to my office one day. I had 2,100 square feet. 
And I said, it was in the winter time. I said, why are all these people standing outside this building? I had forgot that I put an ad in the paper for Flagman or RTA. <laughs> so oh, wow. it, it has been a wonderful experience. It, it's been wonderful. So, I have had a wonderful, yeah. So like I said, you know, we could talk about, we, we need a whole day to dissect out your career. <laughs> you've had so many different oh, careers, but, but you've also been a part of the, um, National Negro Women Organization. The National Council of Negro Women for over 50 years, and my mother-in-law got me into that. Uh, when I was married and lived in Birmingham, Alabama, they didn't have an NCNW section in Birmingham and Huntsville, so, and that's where I lived. In fact, I went there for my birthday last month, and I would drive her to, uh, Huntsville, to Birmingham to NCNW meetings, and she made me join, and I've been a member ever since. And I'm also was on the national board and just removed myself. I said, it's time for somebody else to do it. Time for me to do something else for over 30 years. And it was a so, wonderful experience. So you're also wonderful a, a, experience to think. A, a sorority, you're in a sorority. Which, which sorority is it? I'm to two sororities. Oh. I am in Alpha Kappa Alpha sorority, which is an academic sorority, Divine Nine. And I'm also a member of Eta Phi Beta Sorority, which is a business sorority, which is the largest uh, black business sorority for women. So, I mean, you, you've advocated for women your whole life and, and also you're a parliamentarian, I, I believe, also, right? Uh, yes, I'm a and I'm one of the first 10 women of Rotary International. And Rotary has done a lot of things for me and I've done a lot of things for them. And what was it? What else did you ask me? Well, no, I mean, you're, again, you're doing so many things, it's just hard to keep track. I mean, every oh, time I'm a parliamentarian. Okay. <laughs> you, you, were, you were in Chicago also recently um, at a national, but you've gotten so many awards also recently. Yeah. Yeah. For your I was, in the community. Yeah. Yes. And I'm all, you said mentioned parliamentarian. We have under 20, I want under 20 registered and professional parliamentarians in the state of Ohio. And I am one of those. And I am the immediate past president of the parliamentarians of North Coast, which takes in most of Northeast Ohio. So you have your term is for two years. And so now someone else is in that position. And I was president while I was sick. So that was a challenge, but I didn't want to stop because I had made that commitment and I had to follow through. I don't, I don't know. You're, you're making me feel um, like I haven't accomplished anything in my life. I mean, with all yes, you I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, you know, I, I couldn't do a fraction of what you've been able to do. Yeah. And yes, I did come. I, I just enjoyed life. And when I finish with a project, I'm done with it. It's time to move over to something else. I just don't let it linger on. And I know how to step back. I, I, I have no problem. And, and one thing that I do, I enjoy sharing with people. A friend of mine told me today, he says, Gwen, people don't know how much you study and research. I am a library junkie. I have to say that. And, and director of Cleveland, he would tell you, and I represent the library once a year going down to Columbus. And because I love going to the library. I love doing research and I like to share. But one thing I've learned is everybody don't want to hear what you have to say. So I have to learn now. User, as I was shared with me last week when I was in Columbus, since you're on the radio, just share it. Don't, you know, just don't try to put anything down somebody's throat, just use your radio platform to do it. And that's what I'm going to do, Facebook and radio and share with people. Well, we would like to actually come on your radio show and talk about this upcoming Women's Health Fair and Expo uh, at some point. Absolutely.
but I'll tell you what, with your name. Absolutely. Um, yes, that's yeah. a definite. That's a definite. And yes, I just left Chicago. I was there for. Can we talk about that? Okay. I just left Chicago. I was there for several days for Moms Demand Action Against Gun Violence. I had no clue what that was until 2016, and it just turned 10 years old. I am African Methodist Episcopal. And the, our late bishop, senior bishop, who the senior bishop is the one who's the bishop over all of the ANE churches, and we're all over the world. He and his wife appointed me to Moms Demand Against Gun Violence. That's how I got there. So I do a lot of things in the community and around and advertise on my show, Moms Demand Against Gun Violence. They have, they don't like calling it a conference, they call it a university where survivors and advocates and leaders of moms come together once a year and have a five-day conference. And I just uh, returned from that. It was close to 2,000 people there and 60% of the attendees there are gun, were gun violence survivors. Some of the stories that I heard and between, and I will have some of those individuals are gonna be on my show. And when they talk, and they even talked about disparity, women's health disparity as mm -hmm. being a part of some things that have caused gun violence for women. So, so, so you just participated in a march in Cleveland. I, I what, what was that march? I forget which march that was. Which about one? Like, about a month ago. Oh, I think. <laughs> oh, yes, I did. Yeah, yeah uh, moms and men against gun violence, and moms and men against gun violence, and the LBGT. It is, it was July 4th in Lakewood. Okay. It is a very nice event. I wish that more people of color had been there to express their, it's about expressing your care and being advocates, being advocates, I can't even say it. Um, act, uh, anyway, yeah, lobbyists, yeah, yeah, it's the old word for it. Yes, yeah. Thank you. Um, and that's what it was about. And during the month of June, we asked people to wear orange and white. And the reason being is because the young lady who performed for President Obama was killed around her birthday, which is one of the, the first four, four days of June. Her favorite color was yellow. And she would have been 21 now, 21 or 25. So they, everyone, we asked people to wear orange and it was highly respected and people were all over the nation uh, wore orange. And then even for the conference that we have, it's an orange, wear orange. I love orange. I wore orange for my prom when everybody else was wearing uh, pastel colors. Mm. <laughs> I, I have never seen so much orange as I just witnessed. And so many different types of shoes, hair, men, women, children, even pets wearing oh, orange. Okay. It was very, it was well attended. And nothing, they didn't leave anything out of. And as I said, it also entailed talking about the disparities of black women, indigent women, and other women in color when it comes to health care. So, so, so tell me, um, so this show is called Music and Medicine. Um, you know, we're, we're, we've, we've spoken a lot about women's health needs, health disparities. What, what do you like to do in your spare time as far as entertainment? What type of music do you like? Yeah, what type of music do you like? 
I like jazz, but for, for some reason this year, the song that has been resonating with me, and I listen to it every day, is by LTD, Concentrate on You. And for some reason, it's, it's putting a message. Maybe I need to start to concentrate on myself because that song, since I always come up with a song and a scripture at the beginning of the year, but that song out of all the songs have really been hitting me. So who sings? Prior, who, who sings? Who sings that again? L LTD LTD LTV LTD. Oh, D. So I have a yeah. I have a I have a ritual that I do every in the morning, and so that that song is part of it. Beside having my my time with God and my time with me is mm -hmm. that song. Prior to COVID, for several years, and I I am a belly dancer, so we haven't been able to, and we belly dance for university hospitals fundraisers. I was in a troupe and for about for several years, but I've been a belly dancer about 25 years. I enjoy oh, wow. music and I enjoy I love dancing. So 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 Dr. Charles, while you play your music, I'll dance because I'm a dancer. I enjoy dancing. And people saw have, me on Facebook. Hmm? Do you have any videos of you of you dancing? Yes, there's some on Facebook of me dancing. Yeah, I enjoy dancing. You mean belly dancing? Well, there was dancing. some on there of me belly dancing. Oh, just dancing. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. There's some. I danced last week. Oh, yes. They can find it on Facebook. I enjoy so, dancing. I, I really so, do. So Russell, our producer, he can find some of those and we'll <laughs> put it up on the on the platform and on the show. Okay, because I'm always dancing. I did a short one today. I don't know if I posted or not, but uh. I needed to, I had to go to the dentist. And that's one thing that women, in fact, my dentist is a new young lady and she's about 30 years old and her dad was my dentist and he's retired. And she, even today, she talked about how women are not going to the dentist. Hmm. I believe in taking care of yourself. I, I'm a strong believer in taking care of your, your body. And I was at the dentist. So after I left my appointment today, I walked through Great Northern Mall and I was dancing and the lady was taking my pictures. But I don't know if she put that. I don't know if we put them on Facebook or not. But I always like to dance. So, I, you know, I love Dr. dancing. Yeah. You know, Dr. Jarvis, you bring up a very important point. And not, not a lot of people are aware of this because doctors a lot of times don't talk about it. Untreated or, or poor oral, or, or poor oral health, poor dentition can actually lead to coronary artery disease, heart disease, peripheral vascular disease, uh, cardiac valvular disease. You know, you have um, different valves in your heart, um, you know, a mitral valve, a tricuspid valve. Uh, it can lead to um, pulmonary problems and all, all kind of devastating sequelae can, can occur as a result of poor oral health, you know, in, infected teeth, infected gums, periodontal disease. Um, it can disseminate bacteria in, into your bloodstream and which can go out through your body. So, you know, oral health is very important. And, and one of the disparities that we see also is there, there's a disparity in oral health uh, in our children, in our black children. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I didn't mention it, but Metro Health is also conducting a series of children's health expos, health fairs and expos. Oh, that's uh, and, and, and partner with the Cleveland Zoo. The next event is going to be on September the 11th, Monday, September the 11th, where we are offering free uh, preventative screenings, um, providing lead testing, uh, immunizations, oral health screenings, skin screenings, uh, vision screenings for children. 
you know, it's a Monday, September the 11th. The zoo is free to everybody. Um, so that's an opportunity for mothers to bring their children, fathers to bring their children to the zoo, to the Metro Health Children's Health, Health Fair and Expo. Uh, the next event is Monday, September the 11th. Um, so, yeah, we're going to try to look and, and, and find some footage of you dancing for, on your Facebook page. <laughs> What is your what is your Facebook page, Dr. Gwen Jarvis, or what, what's the? I have Gwen Jarvis, and the other one is T and Honey. I have two. Okay. Um, yes. I, I like um, like I said, I'm an old trumpet player, uh, jazz trumpet player, and, and uh, wind ensemble player. My my favorite jazz musician is uh, Miles Davis. Do you like Miles Davis? Yes, I do. Yes. So. Yes. Um, for our, our listening audience, uh, would you mind if we play a, a short Miles Davis video? One of my favorites. Um, I think Russell might have that uh, available to play. Um, and then we'll, you and I will come back uh, after that and, and close close out the program. Is that okay? Okay. That's fine. Okay. You want me to get up and dance? <laughs> no, you <he> can. <laughs> This is uh, called Tutu by Miles Davis.
Some people used to confuse me with Miles. Just joking. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, thanks, Russell, for playing that uh, video. That Again, Miles uh, Davis is my favorite uh, jazz musician. And, and, and like I say, sometimes I would get confused uh, with, with being Miles when I was playing my, 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 my trumpet. Um, but, you know, <laughs> no, he, he was a, quite a special talent. I used to see him when I lived in New York City. I used to go see him at Lincoln Center um, several times. It was unique. I don't know if you ever saw him. Uh, in person, Dr. Jarvis, but he, a lot of times he would play uh, with his back facing the audience. Uh, oh. Yeah. And then a lot of times you'd, you would never really know when the show was going to end because he would be playing and he would all of a sudden just walk off stage and that was it, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so very remarkable. You know, I, um, I know he's, he's sorely missed, um, but I mean, he's, his body of work is just, um, uh, just remarkable. So, yeah. That, that's a lot of times when I'm operating, I'm listening to Miles Davis. We have Miles Davis uh, playing in the operating room in the background. So uh, not everybody realizes oh, okay. that a lot of times. Sounds... You know, well, people don't realize a lot of times when we're when surgeons are operating, we have music playing. You know, mm -hmm. um, you know, when I was a student, I would always listen to music. It it, it made me be able to concentrate. You know, and and, and focus. Um, that's the way. I, so, yeah. yeah. 
But, you know, um, but I wanted to thank you, Dr. Jarvis, for joining us. Uh, again, you're a, a huge inspiration. You're a, a power uh, mover and shaker in the city of Cleveland. And again, you're doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes that nobody really knows that a lot of the things that have come to fruition, a lot of the programs that have started have been uh, because of you um, initiating behind the scenes and and also, you're you're a, a kingmaker, a king and queen maker. Um, you yeah. you help lift up and, and build up the successes of others. Yeah. Um, you know. So, can I share two? People yes. always can I share two things? People right. always ask, "What are your biggest success?" The first thing as a mom would say, "Being a mother." But in speaking about um, health and the awareness of it, and about youth. I am very proud of the men's my about the um, the fatherhood program. My high school neighborhood friend Gregory Johnson, his son died. He was one of the first kids who died from sugar diabetes, and we were sitting on my porch because we were both from the West Side. In fact, John Marshall was inducted me into John Marshall Hall of Fame this year. I said, Greg, you all need to pay attention to your sons because I had two brothers and they're both not here anymore. It's because men hurt just like women. And I am so proud that we took that opportunity before the three commissioners we had. And they asked me, well, who do you think should run this? And at the time I was in a beverage business. We had the second black pop company in the country and Al Grimes and Al Grimes is the one who's running the, the men's uh, Fatherhood, yeah. fatherhood program mm -hmm. and bits and pieces of it is all over the world. So that makes me feel good that in a lot of countries, especially in Africa, they have patterned some of the ideas of uh, the fatherhood program. And the, the, the second thing, too, is that the second chance for young people is I wrote that program for it. And they've been asking me that it needs to be reactivated because, you know, we have so many issues with you going on with students, and it's also nationwide, some form of a second chance for young people. So those things that I'm really, I'm really proud of, but we want to reinstate, make sure that they stay alive or to, to bring it up to speed as far as our 21st century. So again, those has to do with yeah. health. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're, you are a true visionary yeah. in every sense of the, of the definition of what a visionary person is. I mean, that is you. Uh, and again, we want to have you back and dedicate a whole show. What, what I'd like to do is, is I want to go through your entire career um, and just to have all, a lot of this documented. Um, you, you know, I'm a book author of a success navigation book, um, you know, entitled, It Isn't Difficult to Do It If You Know How to Do It. You actually it's have- right here. Oh, thank you. You you actually have about a hundred books within you. Oh, you sound like my daughter. You, you need my daughter start. says I have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You you need to get this down in, in on paper and in a book form, and 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 also just so that people will know who you more people know who you are. Don't get me wrong, but even more people need to know who you are, who Dr. Gwen Jarvis is. You know, you do your radio show every week, and you have guests on who get to portray, you know, the work that they're doing. But I've, I've never actually heard anybody sit down on your radio show and portray your career. You, you know what I'm saying? Um, yes. 
you you need to be this it needs to be this is your life um and we want to get you back on to do that um i want to tell the audience we we're actually pre-recording this show it, it um on tuesday august the 15th 2023 the reason i'm saying that is this is a picture of my mother grace modlin grace grace hampton modlin her maiden name was Hampton. Um, so there's some relationship with Hampton University in there someplace. But the reason I say this, August the 15th, she would have been 99 years old today. Um, wow. Born August the 15th, 2000, or actually 1924, I should say. Um, so I'm, I'm very grateful to everything. You know, she was actually the first black, not just the first black female, but the first black school teacher in the entire history of Henry County, Indiana. Um, she went back to school when she was, I believe about 40 years old to become a school teacher. I remember one day she, uh, one evening, she went to Ball State Teachers College. She, she drove me up, I was six years old to her college class, evening class. And that was about 16 miles away. And, and again, back in those days, dr uh, uh, driving that distance at night was, on the back roads. I mean, that was different than what it means today, but I was running up and down the aisles before the class started and the, the professor walked into the classroom and she, my mother grabbed me by the arm and the, the professor goes, uh, you know, um, Mrs. Modlin, we see you have a guest, you know, would you introduce your guest? My mother introduced me and she goes, this is my son. And one day he will be going to college also. The reason I tell that story at the age of six years old, that was when I realized and recognized that my parents had expectations upon me that I was going to go to college and to achieve my education and to always do my best um, in, in school and to respect my elders and, and teachers and professors. It, that's when it hit me that my parents had expectations of me. And I say that because we not only need to recognize those who came before us and made sacrifices, my, both my parents did, but we need to place expectations on our young people. And I, I see, of course, not in all situations, but in many situations that is lacking. Um, and again, it's our responsibility. The, I'm of the older generation. You're not of the older generation, Dr. Jarvis. I'm of the older generation, <laughs> but uh, we, we need to hold uh the, the feet are our, our young people's feet to the fire and, and expect them to excel and to the do do the best they can uh, in their studies and and they don't have to go to college um, but you know dr martin luther king said if you want to be a street sweeper be the best street sweeper you can be absolutely so yeah. um, i i honor my mother on her 99th what would have been her 99th birthday she passed back in 2003 so um, you know, her, her memories, uh, live within me. And, and again, she and my father, uh, taught me, uh, so many things and, and the work ethic that, um, uh, I live by today and the, the, their admonition that I use my education to give back to the community. And, and you definitely have done so and excelled beyond any other person that I've met Dr. Jarvis. So, so thank you again for being a part of this, uh, program this evening, and we're definitely going to have you back. So, with that in mind, I'd like to thank the listening audience for tuning in um, to this rendition of Music and Medicine. And we're going to be back uh, 
uh, soon. Again, Thursday, September the 30th, the first annual Metro Health Multicultural Women's Health Fair and Expo at the Huntington Convention Center uh, here in Cleveland, Ohio. Everyone is welcome. You don't have to reside in Cleveland. You don't have to reside in Northeast Ohio. You don't have to reside in the state of Ohio. Anybody nationwide is welcome to attend this event. We have some very special uh, guest celebrities, uh, um, entertainers who are going to be present. I can't divulge the name, so but uh, but you're going to be surprised. So I look forward to seeing all of you there um, at this event, and and please tune in for another uh, music and medicine in the very near, near future. So thanks, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night, and thank the opportunity, Doctor. Thank you. Excellent, excellent.